Yo, what's up? This is the Wrestling for MMA podcast, hosted by Ed Gallo on the Fight Site. Uh, before I get into things, well, first let me tell you what I'm going to get into. Uh, this podcast is about MMA, it's about wrestling, it's about the wrestling that happens within MMA. Last week, I did a big preview for the NCAA Division One Championships, you know, because there wasn't too much else going on in MMA, and I like to talk about wrestling, and I did that, and this week... I think I'm going to recap what happened at the NCAA Division One Championships and, you know, maybe point out some matches to watch when I go through the brackets. That could be cool. And uh, they're, they're going to be tough to get to, honestly. But <laughs> uh, you can probably, you can find the finals on YouTube for sure. If you go to the ESPN streaming app, all the mat assignments are, are going to be on there, all the streams from the entire event. And you'll have to browse by sport and go to wrestling and then find it. So you go to the multi-view for each session, you actually can watch every match at once throughout the session. So that should help. Um, And you just, you know, skip through a few seconds at a time until you find what you're looking for. Uh, That that could be a good strategy. So I'm definitely going to do that. I'm also going to briefly discuss the last UFC event, Brunson versus Holland, and a little bit about this upcoming pay-per-view, UFC 260. Is the heavyweight title fight rematch between Stipe Miocic and Francis Ngannou? I I'm not super interested in that, but I'll talk about it. I mean, ever since Alexander Volkanovski came off the card, it became a significantly worse event. So I'm not super intrigued, but you know we'll talk about it. So wrestling discussion, a little bit of MMA discussion, maybe reverse that order. But first, just want to point out that soon, I don't know when, but soon. Uh, my commentary of the NCAA Division One Championship Finals in video form will be on Patreon. I, I recorded it and uploaded it on Saturday night. You know, I, I jumped right on that and uh, still processing. It's like a three-hour video. It definitely takes a long time to process things normally, so I can't even imagine how long this is going to take. Uh, it, usually, eventually, it works out. So I'm hoping it does. If it doesn't, I'm going to have to go maybe try to chop them up into you know each match. And just upload all the matches individually, which maybe I'll just start on that today. It just as an alternative and, and you know, just try to get them up there. So we'll see what happens. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's rough because <clears throat> you know, obviously I can't put them on YouTube because of copyright or you know other file sharing, you know, video sharing services. I can't just post them uh, openly. So behind a paywall on Patreon using a Google Drive link is, is how I do it. Uh, it's a nice little loophole, nice little workaround, but yeah, the, the tough part is that Google Drive is kind of a horrible way to share video files uh, because of that processing error. So if anyone knows any other ways that I could do that, um, I tried Dropbox, but it doesn't like the file sizes I'm, I'm throwing at it. So if you have any ideas, let me know, but otherwise I think I'm just going to be chopping them up individually and uploading them, which might be more pleasant for some people anyway but if you want the audio form and you can follow along on youtube with the finals matches that should work out you could probably do it that way so uh yeah i i explain a lot of the rules of wrestling while i'm doing that and i you know give some technique breakdown of the matches it's tough because all the big situations required replays and my stream like didn't show any replays it was really annoying so i, I did a, a fine job but could have been better but that's okay and I'll probably be breaking down Spencer Lee's finals match uh, for Bloody Elbow this week, so check that out. But like I said, Patreon's a really good place for the fight site uh, uh, to get some content, especially for wrestling, for MMA, whatever you're looking for. $3 minimum to get on there. Uh, there's a ton of, a ton of exclusive content that I've put up personally, other people are putting up personally. Uh, and there's benefits beyond that $3 tier. Uh, you know, $5 to get into our Discord server. And then $10 and beyond our content request tiers, which uh, let's say like $20, for example, could get another commentary video of something else. Like someone just requested an Ilya Toporia commentary video. So I'm going to be watching three of his fights and giving commentary over those and evaluating some things that that he wants me to look at. Uh, I do the resume review series. You could request a resume review on somebody. I'll look at like three or four fights of them and do something similar like I did for George St. Pierre. Uh, this week, I'm actually going to be doing a resume review for Stipe Miocic. I'm going to look at uh, the Nganu fight. I'm going to look at... Hmm, maybe the Overeem fight. And... Uh, I don't know. 
another one. <laughs> one of the Danny Cormier fights. Perhaps both of them. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, the, the purpose of resume review is to judge how impressive a win is by evaluating how tough their opponent was to beat on that night. So that's kind of an interesting format that I don't think a lot of people take to approaching fights. So if you like that, there's a lot of that on our Patreon. Uh, so check that out. Lots of reasons to get on there. And we are currently fundraising toward a goal of 200 patrons. We're less than 20 patrons away. Uh, you guys are responding very well to this challenge. And when we hit that goal of 200 patrons, we're going to release an article series about our top five UFC fights of all time. And there will also be commentary videos for those that only go out on Patreon. So lots of incentive for you to subscribe on Patreon. If you're listening to this, there are, there are hundreds of you that listen to this, and there's only a hundred something patrons on the fight site, so I know I know there are some of you out there that I'm speaking to that this will apply to. Um, but thank you for letting me advertise to you. Uh, I'm not good at, you know, nice choppy ad reads. I just kind of rant at you about why you should give me money. Uh, hopefully it works. Okay, so let, let's do some MMA talk before I rant about wrestling for an hour or whatever it's going to end up being uh this past card brunson versus holland uh the prelims were going on during ncaa's so i missed some of it i tuned in uh for the adrian yanez fight he looked awesome i've heard that he's a grappler um but people don't know that because he's you know winning on the feet so much but apparently he's actually a grappler so i i am definitely keeping my eye on him he looked like a really sharp counter puncher and, and had some some good tools good awareness seems like a smart fighter so that was nice. I don't want to talk about this fight, but I just I just have to. Montserrat uh, Conejo versus Cheyenne Bays. Uh, <laughs> this this was interesting. This was interesting. Uh, it wasn't a secret going into the fight that Conejo only wins by throwing headlocks and and sitting in scarfold. Um, uh, apparently Bayes knew that and, and it still worked so that that's concerning uh there were there were a lot of headlocks this weekend at the NCAA tournament there are more headlocks than I've ever seen at an NCAA tournament it was very strange uh but these are guys like know how to headlock uh I, I think that the headlocks that Ganejo was throwing you know the head and arm throws they call it were pretty terrible uh just grabbing the head and pulling the arm across is good but you have to you know get your hips into it you got to lower your level and she was kind of sagging off and d didn't matter to her as long as they hit the mat uh she knew she could hold the head and that her opponent had no idea how to get out of that position first of all she was not fighting the hands at all she's tried to hip pip out a couple times and hipping out is good uh and you have to circle away uh to make sure they can't just you know pop you back <laughs> on on your back but uh the best thing to do in Scarfold is to fight that elbow and, and peel their arm off your head, uh, which you should be able to do. That's a tough position to hold um, for, for that long. So uh, I don't know if she didn't drill defense from that position. That'd be weird. But uh, allegedly, uh, Montserrat Canejo is a seven-time Mexican wrestling champion. I, I have to tell you that Mexico is not known for wrestling at all no in no styles <laughs> they do not have a reputation in any style um they have reps that they send to like the pan-american championships sometimes or like the pan-american olympic qualifiers but they, they do not win matches that is not a nation that wins at wrestling ever at all uh the, the best representation they're probably going to get is americans uh wrestling under their flag which could happen uh, aaron pico has talked about that before but mexico is not good at wrestling so seven-time women's freestyle champion i assume it is that that doesn't actually mean anything just just so you know and they kept saying it they kept saying it i'm like dude it's just not really a significant credential imagine if they talked about you know somebody who won however many world championships in jiu-jitsu and then they didn't mention oh it was a blue belt um, that that's a that's a big difference between saying you know that black belt or brown belt whatever what have you they need to make more distinctions between credentials I know why they don't uh, well two reasons why they don't one they probably just don't know two even if they did know they don't want to downgrade the credential for the person they're hyping up so whatever whatever I get it but it was stupid. <laughs> 
Bad fight, bad fight. Oh, and then Cheyenne Baze has the, the audacity to act like she she was really about about it at the end and like starts fighting hard in the last ten seconds, then after the fight, you know, is trying to get in her face and say, I'll follow you home. Like, what what are you doing? You you screwed this up. She had a reversal, you know, with I think over a minute left, a decent amount of time left. She was beating her up on the feet, had a reversal, had top position, had a rear standing, easily could have disengaged and tried to strike. And she didn't. And, uh, come on. You had a chance. You had a chance to fight. You didn't do it. Uh, and that's going to be a topic I get into <laughs> a lot this week. I'm not going to do it too much because on the MMA podcast this week, I plan on saying a lot about Kevin Holland's performance because that really touched a nerve with me. Uh, but we'll, we'll get to that. Just, you know, people, people get on my nerves, man. Uh, Max Griffin won. That's cool. I like Max Griffin. And then, yeah, Derek Brunson, uh, like, forgot how to strike, but it didn't matter. <laughs> he beat Kevin Holland pretty easily. Kevin Holland has almost no defensive wrestling instincts. Uh, you know, when Derek Brunson was, you know, charging forward and they were clinching up, Holland, like, wasn't stopping him from getting his underhook. It was very, his stance was so narrow. It was really easy for Brunson to reach around and lock his hands and get these body locks. And he was hitting, you know, what's closer to a Polish throw, like a big step around and pivot to, to bring him over the leg block, but usually there's an arch of the Polish throw, and this is just kind of a uh, like a sag throw, but uh, Derek Brunson was hitting that over and over again. He also got a couple double legs, and uh, it was really funny. He was shooting from terrible positions, just really awful shots, just standing there with the shot, and Kevin Holland was just putting his hand on the on the forehead of Brunson, just kind of pushing a little bit on his forehead, and just nothing else, and just standing there and balancing. And, and he got taken down over and over again. And yeah, he hit a nice inside trip at the end of the fight, which is funny. Uh, but yikes. Yikes. Uh, it was really poor defensive wrestling from Holland, so it didn't even matter what Brunson did to get into those wrestling situations. It was very easy for him to finish uh, those takedowns, and Holland was just holding body triangles, not really doing anything to try to get up on bottom. So how, how, how was he going to win? I don't, I don't understand. So my rant is definitely going to be about, you know, why? Why? What, what is the point of that? What, what are you doing? Um, why didn't you try to win? Like, why do fighters act like they, they're about it or they're tough, and then when they actually have opportunities to win fights or, or do something, they don't do it? You know? It's, it's, it's very strange to me. I, I don't like it. People think it's funny. I think there's a lot of MMA fans that like MMA because it's funny. Because it's, it's a circus. It's a clown sport. So I get it, but, you know, a lot of them are taking it seriously. You know, say what you will about Derek Brunson and his style and how funny his fights end up being. It's not because he's not trying. He's trying very hard, and he's trying to be the best he can be, and you have to respect that, and I respect that, and it, it bothers me when you have someone who clearly isn't, who, you know, gets opportunities and gets more support and maybe even more money eventually because they're they're silly, they're goofy, they're not taking it seriously. So that... It really rubs me the wrong way. I'm extra sensitive right now because of NCAA is just ending the wrestling season. Like the wrestling season is the opposite of that. That's everyone taking it extremely seriously, maybe even too seriously, uh, and laying it all out there and doing everything they can to try to win. Uh, and and that that's that's what you should do if you're a competitor. If you're a professional competitor, you should compete. Uh, is this a sport? Some people say no. So let's decide. Let's figure that out. <laughs> MMA, are you a sport or not? Because that was that event. It made me kind of mad. And this week we have UFC 260 uh, headlined by Stipe versus Nganu. Two, that was a fight where <laughs> Nganu was really wanted to knock him out, I guess, and was charging forward. And Stipe was finding very easy reactive entries on his double. Nice, you know, running his feet on the double. Uh, you know, low shots too, not not super uh, high on the body, which is uh, what you see a lot of time at heavyweight. Uh, nice, nice level changes. And he's also getting to his uh, single leg head outside and uh, dumping him with the uh, running the pipe, dumping him on his hip, dumping him on his butt. Real good with that. Uh, Stipe's been hitting that since his you know, first couple of UFC fights. I noticed that right away. That was something he had in his arsenal. That's very handy because a reactive single entry, where you can hold it a little bit and get to your finish. That's a lot easier than trying to run through a double every time. So, uh, I mean, maybe Ngannou will just sit back and, and try to counter more. Uh, but I... I his, his ring craft isn't very good, so I still think if Miocic doesn't get, you know, clanked on the way in and, and knocked out, he should be able to push him back and wrestle him on the cage and tire him out and wrestle again. 
Uh, I, I'm just going to pick him, but I don't really have a deep read on this fight. We have a video coming out soon, maybe even today, as I'm recording this on Monday, uh, from Julian Lung, one of our writers, who uh, did a whole article about how Francis Ngannou doesn't really need to get better to beat Stipe. It could just be the same fight, but he still has a chance to win it. So, weird one. For sure. Uh, Co-main event is Tyron Woodley versus Vicente Luque. Uh, I mean... <laughs> Luque doesn't really open himself up to being taken down with his striking style, and he's a good defensive grappler, and he has a good counter submission game, so I don't expect Woodley to try to wrestle with him, although, you know, that that's something you think he would be doing. He, he tried to wrestle a bit with Colby. I think he took Colby down, so maybe he tries to integrate that into his game a little bit more, but uh, it's it doesn't really make sense to expect things from Woodley anymore, but we'll see what happens. I think, you know, at this stage in his career, trying harder to actually fight normally is bad for him because he's, you know, vulnerable. He's, he's a little more fragile, and Luque uh, is unforgiving. It's an unforgiving matchup. And it's the, what, third Black Zillion he's fought in, in recent memory? That's not going to go well. So I'm just going to pick Luque there, but uh, that's really the only wrestling fights that I can think of. Uh, you know, Abu Bakar, Nurmagomedov is fighting. I haven't really studied him much because I don't think he's that good yet. So we'll see if anything happens there. I can talk about it after, but that's really the only thing on my radar. Uh, the women's flyweight fight with Jillian Robertson and Miranda Maverick, they, they could actually grapple a decent amount. That could be interesting uh, from a certain perspective. So maybe there will be something to talk about there, but I'm not really counting on it. <clears throat> so that's MMA. It's not, not a great... Uh, not a great situation with MMA right now, uh, but luckily I have my favorite sport wrestling to talk about. Three days of wrestling, I watched it straight through, didn't miss a match, I'm exhausted, but it's the best. It's it's the best thing, so let's just go wait by wait and talk about everything that happened, right? Are you ready for a really long podcast about wrestling? MMA fan that's listening to this, I bet you are. Um, I'm only like 15 minutes into this and it's going to be another hour, I bet. So 125 pounds, the lightest weight class in wrestling. Uh, the division was not super stacked this year. It's actually I'm going to say this right now, that heavyweight was deeper than 125 this year in the NCAA. It was deeper in multiple ways. It was deeper in terms of the credentials of the competitors, and I think the skill level was deeper too. I've talked about this a lot, that... MMA is kind of unique in how big the gap is in skill between heavyweights and, and lighter weights. It's really not like that in wrestling. Yes, it's a thing, but not nearly as, as pronounced. And uh, I would also say that heavyweights are sometimes better in some ways from a fundamental standpoint because they can't wrestle the same way as a lighter fighter, a lighter wrestler rather, uh, you know, because it, it wouldn't work. <laughs> it wouldn't work for them. So. Uh, heavyweight wrestling is actually pretty good. It, it can be boring just because they can't have a really high attack rate a lot of the time, but uh, the finals at heavyweight showed some of the best fundamental wrestling you're going to see in college with Gable Stevenson. So 125 was good, but just I, I think that uh, when we talk about like who should win the Hodge Trophy, I think Gable Stevenson should win the Hodge Trophy because his division was ridiculous. Um, anyway, 125, Spencer Lee won the whole thing. Uh, he uh, he teched his first opponent, Patrick McCormick, who is a UVA guy who wasn't very good. Uh, he teched him in, in the first period, and then he wrestled Killian Cardinal from West Virginia, who ended up having a really awesome tournament and placing. Uh, Cardinal was 17-6, which is actually a pretty stacked record for the season. There weren't a lot of matches wrestled, uh, but Cardinal's a West Virginia guy, uh, coached by Tim Flynn, who was the head coach at Edinburgh for a while. So if you think of like uh, Josh Koscheck, Gregor Gillespie, um, Chris Honeycutt, a lot of the Edinburgh guys that have done MMA, Tim Flynn was their coach. He's a very, very, very good coach. And now he's at a program with a bit more resources than Edinburgh. So I expect West Virginia to get good pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, Killian Cardinal had a great tournament and he gave, gave Spencer Lee more of a match than others have. Uh, Lee ended up beating him 15 to five with a major decision, but you have to understand that Spencer Lee rarely goes into the second period. Um, he pins and texts people very easily, so uh, it was cool that Cardinal like, got to a couple shots and made him scramble. And later we found out that Spencer Lee tore his other ACL uh, 
<laughs> at the Big Ten Championship. So Spencer Lee had this big ACL injury on one of his knees uh, in high school, actually, before he got to college. It's been an issue for a while, and now he hurt the other one. So he has zero healthy ACLs, and he is still dominating the field. So that's, that's pretty insane. Uh, in the quarterfinal, he had Devin Schroeder, who defeated Rayvon Foley uh, in the match before that. Rayvon Foley is very talented on his feet. Uh, Schroeder is very good on top. Uh, Schroeder actually gave Lee a pretty good match. I, I think he might have gotten a takedown. Uh, he got a takedown at Big Tens as well, but Lee beat him 10-2, major decision. So again, bonus points is, is still a competitive matchup with Spencer Lee if you didn't get teched. Um, and then in the semis, he had Drew Hildebrandt from Central Michigan, who's very tough, uh, good wrestler. His sister, his uh, I don't know if they're older. I think older sister, yeah. Sarah Hildebrandt is a world silver medalist in freestyle and a consistent world world team member so she's gonna be vying for the olympic spot soon so we call drew uh, sarah's brother <laughs> so he majored sarah's brother 11 to 0 and that put him in the finals against brandon courtney from arizona state who had a pretty good tournament as well uh, arizona state had a really good tournament they weren't expected to do as well as they did uh their head coach is zeke jones who was the men's freestyle coach for like the you know the senior team um world and olympic so they got a good coach over there. <laughs> yeah, he he beat uh, a couple of good guys. Eric Barnett from Wisconsin from the Big Ten. He he had a really good season. Courtney beat him nine to seven. That was a good match. Uh, and he upset Jacob Camacho. So Camacho had a weird tournament. So Jacob Camacho from NC State. He beat Gage Curry from American in his first match, which he was expected to. But he gave up like two takedowns in the first period to Curry and had to battle back. So we're like, oh, maybe Camacho's not having a good tournament. But then he beat Dylan Raguson ten to eight. Another really good match. Um, because Ragason, you know, I expected him to do pretty well since he did really well at senior nationals and freestyle. He beat a bunch of good guys, uh, like, you know, NCAA champion Darian Cruz. Uh, he, he beat some really tough guys, uh, to make it to the finals of senior nationals where he lost to, uh, Vito Arugiao from Cornell who didn't wrestle this year because the Ivy League did not participate in wrestling this year. So no Ivy schools are going to be mentioned here. Um, but yeah, he, he beat Camacho, uh, Camacho beat Ragason. Uh, 10 to 8 and I was like okay yeah maybe he's he's on uh but then he lost to Courtney who was favored to win he was the number three seed but I just thought Camacho was gonna make the final so that was pretty cool and then in the semis he had a surprise semi-finalist Taylor Lamont who is a multiple-time age level Greco world team member and Lamont did you know a lot of cool upper body stuff to, to make the semis he had a really good tournament you should watch all of his matches really uh maybe besides his uh his second round match where he only scored three points no that's not true he only, yeah yeah his, he only scored two points <laughs> before that but he had a 13 to 3 and a, a tech fall and a, a 7 to 4 uh decision in the quarterfinals against sam latona who i thought was going to make the semi from virginia tech you guys might remember him if you listen to any of my commentaries but yeah th those were all really good matches uh and yeah then courtney beat lamont in the semi and in tiebreakers and overtime and wrestled Lee in the finals and did really well in the first period to avoid getting tied up by Lee and just played defense mostly. Uh, but then after that, he took neutral in the second period, but eventually Lee got a takedown and went to work on top and, and beat him 7-0. So pretty much chalk with regard to the championship bracket, but some interesting stuff happened on the backside. So from Minnesota, Patrick McKee, who's uh, Mitch McKee's brother, if you know him, um, he lost in the first and uh, he lost in the second round. Uh, to uh, Sam Latona and then he came all the way back to take third so that's one one match shy of being the what they call the ultimate road warrior kind of a ridiculous title for an award but the ultimate road warrior award is for a wrestler that loses in the first round and wrestles all the way back to third so if McKee hadn't won his first match he would have gotten that award but he was on fire and he's actually a pretty big 125er and they have you weigh in again every day for the tournament. It's a three-day tournament, but they give you a weight allowance. So they get bigger and bigger <laughs> as the tournament goes on. Uh, so if you're big for the weight, that really benefits you. Uh, so Mitch McKee had a really good tournament. He uh, he slotted it against Russell from Appalachian State, pinned him, and wrestled Robbie Howard from Penn State, who was really good, pinned him. Um, and then, uh, or maybe beat him 9-7, I'm not sure. Then he wrestled Brody Teske from uh, University of Northern Illinois. Uh, Northern Iowa, rather, who transferred from Penn State, uh, almost majored him, then wrestled Eric Barnett, who I said is really good, pinned him, then he wrestled Taylor Lamont, uh, who made the semis, as I said before, beat him 8-3, and then uh, 
yeah, won the uh, the fourth, the third and fourth place match against Drew Hildebrand. So awesome backside run from him. Um, a lot of cool stuff happened on the backside, really. Um, you should you should check out these brackets if you go to Track Wrestling. Basically, if you really really want to watch it and you want to have easy access to whatever match you want, you have to pay money. You have to go to Track Wrestling, go to the event, go to the brackets, and there's a video link for every one. But if you, I think just one one payment, you can get all the videos for the tournament. So could be worth it if you really want to see them but uh it depends depends on what you like so 133 i thought was a little more interesting uh start with the finals huge upset not huge upset but big upset in the finals roman bravo young from penn state beat dayton fix and it wasn't particularly close uh it did end up going to sudden victory but that was kind of bullshit sorry um <laughs> because you know no score in the first period they were kind of feeling each other out in the feet uh they both wrestle from the outside a lot and it's gonna be hard to score on someone who's good at what you're good at in that sense uh, in the second period Dayton Fix took bottom for his choice expecting to get up because you know RBY is not like a prolific top rider and he put an awesome ride on him and was really hanging uh, you know hooked one leg but one boot in really hanging off to one side riding one hip really well he was doing a good job but when Fix stood up uh, <laughs> switching out that hook and just kicking out the far leg and and switching his ride back and it was just a really, really comprehensive ride. So in my commentary, I talked about that. But he rode him out in that period, and then he got out. He escaped in the third period, so he was up 2-0. And they... I think that's what happened. But they kept hitting him with stall calls in the third period, and he wasn't being that inactive. He was actually doing a pretty good job, and they nailed him with all these stall calls and, and sent it to sudden victory. Uh, and then he took him down. Took him down in sudden victory and beat him. So a clean, clean win for RBY against the uh, 2019 world team member Dayton Fix and a junior world champion in Dayton Fix. So he's qualified for Olympic trials, uh, as is Spencer Lee, but Spencer Lee was al- already qualified for Olympic trials because he won senior nationals. Um, but yeah, this is a, a pretty big develop. excuse me, pretty big development, I'd say. Otherwise, uh, I mean, other stuff happened, obviously. <laughs> um, in the semifinals, Fix beat Austin DeSanto who beat Mickey Philippi in the quarters. I, I thought Philippi would be able to get that one, but he had a really hard time controlling ties. Uh, DeSanto came after him. It looked like there was kind of a strength differential that made a big deal, and uh, DeSanto was all over him, and uh, he, he put up quite a score. So that was bad. And, yeah, but Fix handled him. It was a close match, but Fix handled DeSanto pretty well. Uh, DeSanto just couldn't finish on Fix, and, and Fix could finish on him, so that, that made the difference. Um, in the other semifinal... <clears throat> Roman Bravo Young beat Corbin Myers from Virginia Tech. I thought that Corbin Myers might be able to get the upset there just because he's very good on top and solid on his feet. But Myers kind of had a rough tournament, uh, just optics-wise. He didn't look quite himself, uh, not as aggressive, not as strong, so maybe something was wrong there. Uh, but, yeah, that, it was pretty much chalk up to that point. Um, I, th- I think everyone who made the quarters was supposed to make the quarters. Um, but, yeah, it, it was good. It was good. It was good stuff. Uh, backside, anything crazy happened. Uh, Austin DeSanto got third. Uh, they did a good job with that. Beat Corbin Myers in the third place match. Uh, Lucas Bird from Illinois had a really great tournament. He knocked off Mickey Philippi in the blood round. Um, wrestled back pretty far. Um, not not Ultimate Road Warrior. I think he won his first match, but wrestled back pretty far uh, to, to get to the third place match. And uh, Louis Hayes also had a good tournament. Happy with him. He, he loves that underhook throw-by, so I like him. Uh, Mikhail McGee, who used to wrestle Old Dominion, uh, made the fifth place match, I want to say. Fifth or seventh, yeah. He made a mental match, and he uh, it, it's good because ODU, Old Dominion, they cut their wrestling programs. This is maybe his last year, but at his new home, he plays, so that's, that's nice. And, uh, yeah, not, not too much else crazy stuff happened at 133. It was pretty much chalk. 140, 141 was pretty crazy. Um, everyone made it where they're supposed to make it. Uh, the semifinals were Jaden Ironman versus Tariq Wilson from NC State, who I thought could make the semis. I was thinking it was either going to be him or Demas. And uh, Demas actually got knocked off by Real Woods from Stanford. Stanford and another program that's being cut. And they ended up having a national champion, so uh, that, that's a huge storyline, obviously. Uh, but yeah, Real Woods upset Don Demas, really good match there. Scored a four-pointer in the in the sudden victory round. Uh, yeah, Wilson handled him. Wilson was wrestling very aggressively, very smart the entire tournament. 
Uh, but yeah, Jaden Ironman ended up pinning him. I think the pin call was a little fast, but you know, it would have been hard for Wilson to come back from that deficit anyway, so good win in the semis there. Uh, otherwise, you know, pretty much close to chalk. Uh, Ian Parker was supposed to make the quarters, uh, but ended up getting upset in the first round by Colin Valdivias from Northwestern. Uh, I think he you know, threw him, the double underhooks, threw him to his back and, and got a lot of points early on that was hard to come back from. Uh, Zach Sherman from UNC uh, beat Valdivias because he's very good upper body and uh, beat him up very badly. Major decision to him was uh, two points away from a tech. And he ended up having Nick Lee in the quarters. Nick Lee beat him up pretty bad. Penn State's Nick Lee. Uh, like I said in the in the pre-show thing, he wrestles kind of like Zane Rutherford, but with more of a pace and maybe a little less good <laughs> on top. Uh, but he, he made it to the semis against Sebastian Rivera. They had had a really close match at uh, Big Tens, and Rivera could have won that one. Uh, he got the first takedown this time as well, and he was down by one score in the third period, and he got double underhooks, and he got to a body lock, and I thought he was for sure going to score and win. I thought it was over, and I don't even know how Nick Lee just threw his hips back, got his hips out of there, and escaped and got a takedown and ended up winning pretty wide at the end. Uh, I, I thought for sure <laughs> Rivera was going to win that one. So final was Ironman and, Rivera, and, and Lee, rather. And it was a pretty close match. Ironman was taking a lot of outside doubles. Uh, Lee was taking a lot of singles. And defense was looking good from both guys. They ended up going to sudden victory. Ironman gets double underhooks. And Lee inside trips him, uh, which has become a Penn State staple. So uh, very, very nice way to win for Nick Lee. That was impressive. Uh, backside, Sebastian Rivera stopped caring. And uh, he made it to the the, uh, the fifth place match. So I don't even know how far he made it. Um yeah, he made it to the third place match, actually, Sebastian Rivera did, but he uh, had a very, very close win over Dylan Duncan, who he should have beat a lot by a lot more. And then Tariq Wilson just beat him up, major decision him in the in the third place match. Uh, Dylan Duncan made it to the fifth place match against Chad Red, who was very injured. Uh, you know, good on Chad Red making that far. He 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 places every time, but you know, it just would have been nice to see Chad Red make it a little further into the tournament. Uh, Zach Sherman medaled. That was nice. Uh, but that was about it. That was about it at 141. Not not a ton going on, but a lot of great matches. So definitely check that one out. Uh, 149 was about what I thought it was. Uh, Sammy Sasso and Austin O'Connor in the finals. Uh, pour one out for our boy Bryce Andonian. Uh, so Andonian, as I, as I expected, he beat Josh Feinsilver in his first match. And then he upset Kane in store from Michigan 10-7. to So I thought, I thought that would happen. I thought he would beat Kane in store. Um, but then he ran into Brock Mahler from Missouri and Mahler was just too fundamentally sound and Andonian wasn't. <laughs> Andonian sometimes just doesn't sprawl. You know, likes to try to like funk out of things or turn things into counters and he was just giving up too many points and he just needs to work on his defense and maybe strength and conditioning a little bit. He looked a little, a little weak physically compared to some of these guys in some situations and only big moves can sometimes only get you so far, so... Mahler dropped out of the championship bracket and also didn't win in the, in the constellation, so Andonian didn't end up placing. Very sad, but he had a good tournament. He, he had a good year otherwise, so still happy about him. Austin O'Connor looked great. Uh, beat a couple of tough guys to make the finals. Beat Brock Mahler in the semis in a very close match. Uh, top side, Sammy Sasso, excuse me, from Ohio State. You know, very good mat wrestler. Pretty tricky on his feet. He was pinning people and putting up a lot of points, but in his second match against uh, Parco, Kyle Parco from Fresno State, another program that's being cut, uh, he only won 11 to 10. So try to find the video for Kyle Parco versus Sammy Sasso. That was a great match. Uh, Sasso then beat Yaya Thomas from Northwestern, who ended up placing third, I think. And Yaya Thomas is a devout Muslim, and I think he might be the highest placing Muslim in NCAA wrestling history I, I can't think of any other ones who like made the finals or anything like that so that, that could be true uh, <laughs> he wrestled in the semis Sasso did Bulu Wallen from Oklahoma State who had a really controversial match against Josh Heil from Campbell I'm not even gonna get into it but people are talking about it so maybe check that one out uh, but yeah Bulu Wallen then beat Max Muren in another controversial match although I thought he deserved to win that one and then Sasso pinned the wall and just end that there. Uh, and yeah, then O'Connor, Sasso in the finals was very close. O'Connor got a score. 
off of a Merkel position, threw him forward, got his arms behind the, they got his arms behind the arms of Sasso, threw a leg in in between the legs, so he's kind of in front with the leg in, um, like if you're hitting like a bulldog choke, kind of a similar position, but no, no grip around the head. So that's technically a takedown the NCAA, and then uh, at the last second, Sasso tried to get his own takedown. Uh, and was very, very close to covering uh, both legs and, and had O'Connor on his butt, but they didn't call it. Time ran out. So O'Connor wins the title, as I predicted. Uh, that was good, though. That was very good. And on the backside, Kyle Parko had an awesome tournament. Uh, ended up placing sixth, I believe, uh, against Brock Mahler. Yaya Thomas wrestled all the way to third uh, and beat Boo Llewellyn there. And uh, Jaden Abbas from Stanford, another Stanford guy, placed seventh. And uh, Jonathan Milner from Appalachian State, uh, a very, you know, under-the-radar program. He, he placed eighth, so there's some good stuff going on at 149. 157 was nuts. <laughs> so the number one seed, Ryan Deacon, uh, beat a, you know, wild card, you know, pigtail match guy, uh, Wyatt Sheets, in the first round from Oklahoma State. Wyatt Sheets ends up wrestling all the way back to place. Uh, so he comes an All-American after uh, being the 33 seed and wrestling the number one guy in his first match so uh pretty impressive performance there from white sheets but ryan deacon beats him has a pretty close match with our queer vandermeer from stanford uh in his second match and kind of you can tell something might be a little off then in his next match he has a very very close one with frantic from uh, north dakota state who wasn't supposed to be a threat to him um basically only got there because he he beat a, a pretty tough guy in his first match but then uh won by injury in his second match to make the quarters so kind of like a you know paper quarterfinalist some might say but then he was getting takedowns on Deacon and Deacon had to pull one out of his butt at the very end to get the win uh, so everyone's like oh my god Deacon is not 100% but he had Jesse Delvecchia from Ryder who uh, got a default win in the quarters I believe because of an injury over Brady Berge uh, Brady Berge was looking good. He beat Caleb Young from Iowa, and then he defaulted out, so that's, that was rough. Um, but Delavecchia from Ryder had a pretty padded record this season, and to get the number four seed, so everyone thought, oh, this is kind of like an easy easy path for Deacon. Well, it wasn't an easy path because Delavecchia pinned Deacon in the semifinal, which no one predicted, um, and made the final, and was Ryder's first ever national finalist in program history, so that was huge. Um, highest placing wrestler in the history of his program with that pin so big storyline there uh the bottom side of the bracket was much closer to chalk uh hayden Hidley made the semis versus david carr uh, hayden Hidley was you know, the number one guy for a while number two guy this year under deacon because he can't beat deacon uh david carr has win has a win over deacon uh from senior national so i thought if he made the finals he could beat deacon but deacon wasn't there uh he beat Hidley on the strength of i think two or three takedowns uh it's actually pretty dominant, and in the finals he controlled Delavecchia pretty easily for the win, as expected, because that was that was a big mismatch. Uh, but folk is different, and you can't just take t- attacks willy nilly, especially with a guy who's good counters. So uh, that ended up being pretty crazy with the way that worked out. But I, I think Carr being champion makes sense. Backside Hydley ended up losing uh, in the semifinals on the backside to Jacory Teamer from ASU. Not a lot of people predicted that. So Hydley only took fifth, uh, major decision for the fifth place match. Uh, Wyatt Sheets and Caleb Young were in the seventh and eighth place match, and the third place match ended up being between Ryan Deacon and Jacory Teamer, and Deacon redeemed himself a little bit and beat Teamer uh, to take third. So uh, wrestled, wrestled hard, you know, probably through an injury to do that. Uh, 165, definitely the most wide open weight class. You know, we're predicting all sorts of champions and finalists because, uh, like we said, at, at Big Tens, Alex Marinelli didn't look that good <laughs> so we're like okay he's kind of a weak number one seed then anthony valencia was the number two seed and valencia looks really good sometimes sometimes he looks less good so we're like okay maybe maybe valencia is going to take a loss sometime before the semis or sometimes before the finals and there's just a bunch of tough guys otherwise so we're like okay something's going to happen here so top side marinelli in his first match gets a 19 to 6 major decision everyone says oh okay maybe he's looking pretty good he wrestles thomas bullard from nc state uh, and, and majors him, and we're, we're thinking, okay, maybe Marinelli is actually in pretty good shape. And he wrestles Shane Griffith from Stanford in the quarterfinals. A lot of people picked Griffith to win that match because, you know, if Marinelli is not 100%, this is the toughest guy he's going to wrestle before the semis, and we were right. 
uh, <laughs> Griffith ends up beating Marinelli in sudden victory. A huge takedown to win that match. And uh, it makes the, the semifinals. So bottom half of that part of the bracket, uh, Makai Lewis, returning NCAA champion, very injured coming to this tournament, didn't wrestle at conference championships. Wins a couple matches, looks looks pretty good, but uh, really has to gut one out to, to win uh, against Tanner Schedule from Navy. He ended up being injured in that match and then wrestled the last few seconds to get the win. Uh, didn't injury to fall out of that match to get into the quarterfinals. You, you do that for your team. You just need to get the team points to, to get the win there, but he ended up not wrestling in the semifinal and defaulted out of the rest of the tournament and didn't place, um, which allowed uh, Zach Hartman from Bucknell, a Pennsylvania kid, to make the semifinals and, and become an All-American automatically. So that was cool. He only had to beat uh, Peyton Hall from West Virginia to do so. Um, so basically two two matches against unranked guys, and he became an All-American. So that was pretty fortunate for him. Uh, but Shane Griffith beat him up pretty bad in the semi to make the final. So in the bottom, our boy Jake Wenzel from Pitt had a very scary match to start out. Um, that that was that was horrifying. So basically, what happened was Jake Wenzel doesn't really open up a lot in his feet. He doesn't have a lot of it, like leg attacks. He usually goes upper body like underhooks and tries to body lock people. But he can stall out of those positions. So no score. In the first period, second period, this guy says, I do not want Jake Wenzel on top of me. He's the best rider in the weight class. Picks neutral. And uh, no score in the second period. Third period, Wenzel says, well, i got to get a point. So he takes bottom. Gets road for a decent amount of time. Not a full minute, but decent amount of time. Gets up, has that one-point lead. And then with very short time left in the match, uh, this guy, uh, Barchak from Drexel, gets in on a shot. And uh, comes very, very close to finishing it. And then gets the two, gets the call for the takedown at the very end of the match. So you have the number three seed potentially losing in his first match of the tournament. And they reviewed it. It turned out time was already out by the time they called two. But they could have called it earlier. So it's it, it wouldn't have been that, it wouldn't have been a robbery if, if he, you know, lost that match. So scary stuff. Uh, in his next match, he has Peyton Robb from Nebraska, who's even way tougher than that guy. So everyone's like, okay, well, if he can't beat that guy, then what's going to happen here? And Wenzel just comes out and takes him down right away. Matt returns him on his head and hurts him, and then uh, puts up a lot of points and beats him 8-1. So everyone's like, okay, <laughs> maybe that lit a fire under him, and, and he's fine now. Uh, in his quarterfinal, he wrestled uh, Keegan O'Toole from Missouri, who was undefeated, and everyone thought he might make the finals. Uh, he's a Ben Askren-trained guy, as was Peyton Robb, so he had two Askren guys in a row. Um, and O'Toole beat Cam Amin from Michigan, uh, Miles Amin's brother, who was also very solid this year and became an All-American. So O'Toole was having a good run. Wenzel may be looking susceptible, hard to say. Uh, O'Toole was getting to his legs a lot, but Wenzel kept uh, draping over the top and, and sitting to his hip and trying to get these angles, and was just so strong. It was crunching down his head and just barely connecting his fingers to cradle him off his shots and got a couple cradles to score and win 9-6. So Wenzel's in the semis and becomes an All-American off of that off of that match. Uh, bottom part of that bracket, pretty crazy. Uh, Ethan Smith from Ohio State looks really good and, and knocks off Travis Whitlake from Oklahoma State 4-3 uh, to make the semis. Uh, bottom half, Anthony Valencia having some good wins. He beat uh, David Ferrante from Northwestern, and he knocked off a really solid-looking guy, uh, Isaac Olenek. Uh, from Northern Illinois, uh, that that guy looked pretty tough, and he beat him in sudden victory. Uh, Ethan Smith match, Valencia is winning, and then he gets injured. Uh, he gets injured, and then and then ends up losing the match. So Ethan Smith makes it into the semis based on that, and that's Wenzel versus Smith. Close match. Smith gets the first takedown, and then uh, and I think uh, Wenzel escapes to make it two one, and then in the second period, Wenzel takes bottom. No, Wenzel. Smith Smith takes bottom, gets rode the entire period. So Ohio State guys are notoriously kind of bad on bottom, and Wenzel's the best guy in the NCAA on top, possibly, just from riding. And uh, he took bottom. So that was dumb. <laughs> he got rode the entire second period. Wenzel gets the riding time point. In the third period, Wenzel takes bottom, reverses Smith, and then rides him out again for a 4-2 win. So pretty comfortable win to make the finals. It's uh, Pitt's first finalist since 2015 and uh, a very good finish for him. He wrestled Shane Griffith in the finals, 
Griffith controlled ties very well, got to his 2-1-1 just to prevent Wenzel from getting his underhooks and was able to score, uh, to, to reach over the lat and score from the 2-1-1 uh, early on to give himself a little, little lead. Doesn't take bottom against Wenzel. Uh, Wenzel gets the escape, so Wenzel needs another point in the third period and uh, can't get it, and they have a scramble late in the period that gets some more points for Griffith. Uh, it's a really smart match for Griffith to win the title. So the NCAA champion doesn't have a program because Stanford cut their program. So he's a free agent. Uh, he is actually going to graduate from Stanford, so I don't know if he's going to wrestle another year. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, backside, nothing too wild happened, I don't think. Uh, Whitlake wrestled back and beat uh, Mikhail uh, Lewis, wrestled uh, defaulted out, rather. So uh, Travis Whitlake ended up in the... Uh, quarterfinals in, on the backside. Uh, Alex Marinelli did not wrestle any other matches after he lost. I don't know what happened. Uh, so Cam Amin also got put in there against Whitlake. Uh, Whitlake beat Amin, and then he beat uh, Ethan Smith in the rematch and wrestled uh, Keegan O'Toole in the third-place match, and O'Toole won third. So once he'll beat the third place, or get into the finals, so it's, you can't say it was that much of a fluke. Uh, then the bottom side, Valencia wrestled back to become an All-American and dropped out to the 7th uh, and 8th place match. Uh, so you like that. And, uh, you know, Hartman also ended up in the 5th place match where Ethan Smith beat him. So fun little bracket where two, three, you know, top contenders all lost their matches. Um, 174, Mike Kemmer from Iowa did the thing. This was not a super tough bracket. Uh, he, he just burned his way into the into the semis where he had a surprise semifinalist opponent, uh, Truex from Cal Poly, who, which is not a dominant program at all. MMA fans, you probably remember that Chuck Liddell and Chad Mendez wrestled for, wrestled for Cal Poly, but it's just not a program that typically produces high-level wrestlers these days. And uh, Truax upset Logan Massa, who's very credentialed and, and highly regarded. Uh, and then he upset Mike Labriola from Nebraska, another Pennsylvania kid. Uh, also, Mike Labriola in his second match beat Trey Munoz from uh, Arizona State, and Munoz is Mark Munoz's son. That's kind of interesting. Uh, so, Kemmerer beats Truax pretty easily, makes the finals, and then bottom side of the bracket, you have Carter Starashi from Penn State, true freshman, or redshirt freshman, I think. Uh, he, he beats some decently solid guys, no one that interesting to make the semis. And then, uh, Demetrius Romero from Utah Valley, he was the second seed, but some people thought that was inflated. He ends up, uh, beating Dustin Plot from Okie State, he was pretty tough. He beats uh, Caleb Romero from Ohio State. He's pretty tough. Only loses to tough guys. And then uh, Starachi beats Romero 2-0 in the semis. Uh, the finals match between Starachi and Kemmerer was pretty good, I think, despite it being low scoring. They both took a lot of shots, and uh, Kemmerer was very close to scoring off of Starachi's shot in the first period. Had him flattened out and was chasing a go-behind and had the angle to come back over in front for a cradle and tried to do that and lost the position, I think he could have finished the go-behind. So he kind of lost his opportunity there, and they just could not score on each other. They couldn't ride each other. So they went to sudden victory, and Starachi took him down. <laughs> took him down really fast, low double. Um, so a good win by Starachi uh, as freshman national champion. And then the backside, uh, Mike Labriola wrestled back for third. Great performance from him uh, with a rematch against Truax and, and beat him up pretty bad. So kind of redeemed himself there. Uh, Logan Massa ended up taking fifth, beat uh, Caleb, uh, beat Demetrius Romero, the number two seed. So that was a good performance by him. And then uh, Bullard from NC State actually ended up taking seventh. And Jackson Turley from Rutgers, uh, I think Ultimate Road Warrior, his way to uh, <laughs> to seventh. It's not the Ultimate Road Warrior unless you take third, but I'm just going to call it that, that he made it to a medal match after losing his first match. So that's impressive. Um, 184. Kind kind of uh, kind of interesting results here. Uh, Aaron Brooks, the number one seed, made his way to the semi pretty easily. He beat uh, Taylor Venz in the quarters. That was probably his big uh, test because Taylor Venz sometimes pulls off crazy upsets and has a lot of crazy offense. Uh, in the semis, he ended up wrestling uh, Kikeson Parker Kikeson, I think was his name, uh, from uh, University of Northern Iowa, who looked just really big and solid and athletic and good. And he knocked off Hunter Bullen uh, from Virginia Tech, who's a top three guy in sudden victory. Um, Bullen had beat uh, Nelson Brands, uh, Terry Brands, Tom Brands, Tom Brands' son before that. So it was a good win. 
So uh, Brooks makes the set, makes the finals, and then bottom half, Lou Dupre has a really close match with Greg Harvey from Pitt in his first match. Uh, gets taken down twice, but ends up holding on for the win. Uh, looks pretty good going into the quarters, and then loses to uh, Poznanski from Rutgers. Big upset there. Lose to Poznanski to, to drop out, out of the championship bracket. So Poznanski's in the semis. And then uh, pretty much chalk after that. Trent Hidley made the made the semis and, and beat Poznanski in a close match. Had to go to tiebreakers, but beat him to get there. Uh, nothing too crazy happened other than that. Shout out to my friend Charles Small, who upset the number 10 seed, I believe, um, in his first match to make it further in the tournament, but then ended up losing to the number 7 seed. And I lost to someone really tough on the backside to not place, but he did win that match. It was it was a good performance, and he's very undersized at 184, so it's very, very impressive. Uh, in the finals, this match kind of pissed me off because they, neither of them scored on their feet. <laughs> um, it, reversals are weird because a reversal and then the other person getting up is the same value as if you just let them up. So you can say like, "Oh, Brooks scored," but that's not really a criteria. Um, it's just the same as if Brooks got the escape. So it was 2-1, which is the same as 1-0, honestly, going into the third and ended up being uh, 2-2 in the third period. Neither of them had scored yet. Uh, Trent and Hadley became came very close to scoring a takedown. I think they could have called it a takedown. Uh, he, ha- he had control on the edge. Uh, they didn't call it. And then they hit him for stalling and gave Brooks the stall point to win. He won off a stall point. I don't like that. I also don't think that Brooks was that much more active than Hydeleaf to warrant the stall point. That that made me angry because a lot of these matches were were that close where there wasn't a ton of action, um, and they didn't call stalling the same way. So that, that was that was really annoying. So I, I wanted Hydeleaf to win, obviously. So maybe I'm biased, but I, I thought that was dumb. Uh, backside Hunter Bullen uh, beats up Rocky Jordan and beats up Dakota uh, gets gets upset by Dakota Gear from Okie State. Uh, to drop into the 7th and 8th place match with Lou Dupre. So two guys that could have been semi-finalists or finalists in the 7th and 8th place match. Uh, Britt Wilson, who beat my friend, uh, ended up taking 6th, which is pretty impressive. And uh, yeah, Poznanski <laughs> ends up in the 3rd and 4th place match. He beats Gear and loses to Kaikasen. So Kaikasen, uh, another good performance from him. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff all around at 184. Everyone wrestled real tough. Uh, 197. This is probably the craziest bracket. So, Miles Amin was the number one seed. He's a multiple-time All-American. He placed fifth in the world in 2019. He's, you know, world-ranked. And he beat Billy Janzer from Rutgers, beat Jacobson from Lehigh. I had a tough, tough 7-6 match with Buchanan from Wyoming, who's been really good this year, uh, to make the semis. Uh, He beat Noah Adams to, to get there. And Noah Adams was number one at one point this year, and uh, Buchanan beat him, pinned him, actually, in the first period. Uh, so that was very impressive. Bottom half of that part of the bracket, Jacob Warner from Iowa uh, got, basically gets pinned in a headlock by Nick Renan. They don't call the pin, and Warner comes back to win that one. And then uh, Warner makes the quarters. And uh, A.J. Ferrari beats Tanner Sloan, uh, who he's beaten before, who's very tough. Uh, he beats the South Dakota State kid to, to make the quarters. AJ Ferrari beats Warner three to two to make the semis, and AJ Ferrari, in a very very strong performance, beats Miles Amin <laughs> in the semifinals uh, to make the finals. And, and he he earned it. He earned it, man. He, Ferrari is very very tough, and his style is very tough to deal with. The ability to shoot off his knees is a huge deal, um, because you know he wrestles so low, and you're like, okay, you take your shot or you snap him down. You have to be careful standing back up because he can shoot off his knees and get to your legs from that position. Uh, and just defensively, he's very sound. Obviously, he's very strong. He's very good on top. He has his own offense. He can get to a single leg. Um, he, he can do a lot. He's very versatile. So, you know, very tough guy to overcome. And I think Amin, you know, probably wasn't a full-size 197. He bumped up this year to wrestle that weight. But still, impressive win for AJ Ferrari over a top-ranked guy, 86 kilograms. Uh, and then bottom half of the bracket... Cordell Norfleet was a number three seed. He beat a couple tough guys to make the quarterfinals, where he was upset by Pitt's Nino Bonacorsi, 4-1. to one. I, I figured Bonacorsi could make the finals, and he did it. Uh, he beat J.I.L.O., who he's beat twice already this year to get there, beat Norfleet, and then uh, beat Oklahoma's Jake Woodley, who had a really good run. Woodley beat Rocky Elam, who has placed at Senior Nationals, is very tough, and ended up wrestling really well on the backside. Uh, beat him. 
He beat uh, Cam Caffey from Michigan State, who's going to be very tough in, in certain situations. And he beat Michael Beard uh, from Penn State, who who's very good as well. He, he beat him very dominantly. Uh, big upset was uh, Eric Schultz, number two seed from Nebraska, got pinned by Owen Pence uh, in his first match. <laughs> and then Beard only had to beat that guy. So then it was Woodley Beard in the quarter. Woodley beats him. Bonacorsi beats Woodley. And it's Ferrari Bonacorsi in the finals. I didn't think that Bonacorsi could beat Ferrari just because of the aforementioned factors and that Bonacorsi really thrives on low attacks and Ferrari was always going to be lower than him. He wasn't going to have a lane to get to his legs and I was correct about that. So AJ Ferrari, true freshman national champion, the first in Oklahoma State history and technically he has four more years of eligibility because this year didn't count officially because of COVID last year. Um, so he could win five titles which would be the first time that's ever happened at Division One. Uh, backside was pretty solid. Uh, Jacob Warner beat Cam Caffey to knock him out of, of metal contention. Um, Buchanan beat, uh, lost to Warner and dropped down to the 7th and 8th place match where he lost to Michael Beard. Uh, Woodley wrestled back to the 5th place match because um, he lost to Warner. So Warner and uh, Miles Amin in the 3rd place match, and Miles Amin wrestled back to win 3rd. And... Uh, yeah, it's pretty much chalk other than that. Uh, Rocky Elam placed uh, sixth, which is impressive. And uh, yeah, my fantasy bracket was screwed up pretty much. <laughs> I, I drafted a fantasy team, and a lot of my number one guys did not work out so well. So, sad. Uh, heavyweight, let me tell you about why this bracket was so good. So you had Gable Stevenson, two-time world champion at age group level. Uh, that's a pretty big deal. Greg Kirkfleet. Another uh, world champion at the age group level. Uh, Jordan Boyd, world finalist at the age group level. Tony Cassiope, very tough guy from Iowa. Colton Schultz, uh, I don't know if he's medaled before, but I, I think he's a world medalist in Greco at the world t- at the uh, age group level. So just that side of the bracket alone, there are three guys who have medaled in the world <laughs> at the age group level, which is insane. Bottom half of the bracket, you had Matt Stencil, who's very tough. Uh, Trent Hilger, who's tough. Zach Elam, who's tough. Um, anyone else who's tough? Mason Paris, who is a junior world champion and very, very good and beat Nick Wazdowski. So he's a probably a world-ranked world, world quality guy, uh, Mason Paris, as is Gable Stevenson. But uh, Stevenson beat everyone up in the entire bracket. Wasn't close. Uh, Mason Paris also beat everyone up on his side of the bracket. Wasn't close. And then Stevenson beat up Mason Paris, and it wasn't close in the finals. Um, other stuff that happened was Matt Stencil got pinned. Uh, well, should have been pinned. And one of his matches ended up came, coming back. But then he lost to Trent Hilger, and Trent Hilger lost to Gannon Gremmel, who I hate. And uh, <laughs> Paris beat pinned Gannon Gremmel, which is nice. Um, Ethan Laird from Ryder, another good Ryder guy, uh, was on 197 last year, bumped up and, and beat Deontay Wilson from NC State. And he beat, uh, that was it. That was the only person he beat on the front side. But it wasn't super interesting other outside of that. Uh, Greg Kirkfleet lost to, where is he? He lost to Gable Stevenson, so no, you know, no harm there. Uh, Colton Schultz ended up losing to Tony Cassiope from Iowa, so that just goes to show you that Cassiope's good. And then Stevenson, you know, majored Cassiope. In the backside, uh, Colton Schultz was pinning people and scoring a lot of points left and right. He ended up taking fourth because he had to wrestle Cassiope again in the fourth place match. Uh, Gannon Gramble ended up taking fifth over Trent Hilger, and Kirkfleet took seventh over Orndorff from Ohio State. So that was it. Uh, it was a really good tournament. I recommend at least watching the, the finals. The semis weren't super crazy uh, in terms of like a lot of points being scored just because people wrestle fairly conservatively. If you really want to watch exciting matches, find the, find the medal round multi-view on ESPN and watch that because the medal round is when everyone has already become an all-american technically and they're just seeing what place they're going to take and they just let it fly and it's very very fun uh, like the finals and the semis people usually wrestle pretty much for like a one or two takedown match uh, with, with a few outliers so that was NCAAs that was awesome uh, last chance qualifier is the next tournament coming up it's freestyle and Greco uh that's for everyone who has not yet qualified for the Olympic trials. Uh, that's going to be big. 
and then in two weeks it's the Olympic trials. So I will definitely talk about the Olympic trials, and I will definitely talk about everything that comes with that. So that'll be cool. Uh, with regard to MMA and, and these guys, I have no idea who's going to do MMA. I usually do an article that's like you know, top five seniors who could do MMA, but one, I don't know who's actually a senior this year because I don't know who's going to come back for another year. And two, I, it's just, I, I don't, it's too much. It's too much. But Sebastian Rivera will probably do MMA um, just because there's a lot of factors there. Sebastian Rivera's dad, Steve Rivera, was Frankie Edgar's coach for a long time. Frankie Edgar is close to the Rutgers program. Uh, Rivera is definitely in the MMA space. He actually wrote a couple articles about MMA, and, and we've talked a little bit. So I, I think that's probably going to happen. And there are just certain schools that are more likely to send people to MMA, like Rutgers, uh, maybe Ohio State, uh, Oklahoma State, perhaps Missouri. You know, just look at guys from schools that have consistently put people in MMA, Minnesota. Um, I don't think Gable Stevenson will. He's going to do uh, pro wrestling, most likely. Uh, he, he tagged Vince McMahon after, <laughs> after he won. Uh, so he's going to try to make the Olympic team. I think he'll make the Olympic team. I think he could win the Olympics and then he's going to do pro wrestling. So enjoy Gable Stevenson while we have him because he is just unreal. New Next level. All right, that's it. Hope you enjoyed me talking about brackets for an hour. Um, yeah, that's it. So next week I'll talk about the UFC that happens, and hopefully there will be more MMA to discuss. All right, peace out.